The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing today? Um, I I see a couple faces who usually come to the 5 o'clock sermon, and I feel like you're here just so y'all can get back home for the Super Bowl at the 10 a.m., but it's all good. Um, Honestly, y'all, I'm going to be real with y'all before I start preaching. I'm going to tell y'all what happened. Um, A couple weeks ago, well, last week, Michael Davis said, hey, I need you to preach February 7th. I said, all right, that's Super Bowl week. Are you trying to little boy meet me? I feel like you're trying to treat me like the rookie. And he was like, nah, man, I promise I ain't. But I see he's still here. So he was really able to preach this week. he just wanted me to preach the 5 o'clock sermon, but I fought for, for my rights, and I asked if we could um, move the 5 o'clock sermon up a little bit. I'm just playing that ain't happen. Um, but anyway, I am super excited to um, preach to you God's Word as we continue um, through the series of Isaiah. And y'all, I'm um, going to preach uh, from chapter 48 today, so if you have your Bibles, you can meet me there. Um, and we, there are 66 books in the Bible, uh, in the book of Isaiah, so we are almost done. Just one more year, and we will be done with, with um, Isaiah. Um, but the last three sermons, we have heard about idolatry. Um, idolatry has been a constant theme throughout the book of Isaiah, but as I began to prepare to read and study so and read chapter 48, I kept seeing the, 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 the theme of idolatry in chapter 48. And, and I thought to myself, I, we cannot have four weeks in a row talking about idolatry. Michael Rose, Michael Davis, and Richard, they all did great jobs talking about this. And But the more I began to pray and study, um, honestly, guys, the more unqualified I began to feel to stand before you today to preach chapter 48, because the more I began to read and study, the more I began to see how deeply rooted some of my idols are and how desperately I need help myself. Um, But I learned quickly, and what I'm excited to share with you this morning is that God loves us too much to leave us in our sin and he loves us too much to allow us to be deceived by the lies of idols. In chapter 48, Isaiah 48 teaches us this morning that God allowing suffering is a display of his goodness that purifies us and prepares us to experience his peace. God's allowing suffering is a display of his goodness that purifies us and prepares us to experience his peace. So I will read chapter 48 here, the word of the Lord. And it reads as such, Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they called themselves after the holy city and stayed themselves on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. 
The former things I declared of old, they went out from my mouth and I announced them. Then suddenly I did them and they came to pass. Because I know that you are obstinate, because I know that you are stubborn, and your neck is an iron sinew and your forehead brass, you are hard-headed, I declared them to you from of old. Before they came to pass, I announced them to you, lest you should say, my idol did them. My carved image and my metal image commanded them. Now looking at verse 9, it reads, For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how shall my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. Listen to me, O Jacob. In Israel, whom I call, I am he. I am the first and I am the last. My hand laid the foundation of the earth and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. Assemble all of you and listen. Who among you has declared these things? The Lord loves him. He shall perform his purpose on Babylon and his arm shall be against the Chaldeans. I, even I, have spoken and called him. I have brought him and he will prosper in his way. Verse 16, draw near to me and hear this. From the beginning, I have not spoken in secret. From the time it came to be, I have been there. And now the Lord God has sent me and his spirit. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, then your peace would be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring will have been like the sand and your descendants like its grain. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from, from me. Go out from Babylon, flee from Chaldea, declare with a shout of joy, proclaim it, send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. Verse 22, but there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. This is the word of God. We say thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are our great redeemer. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we, that even in our failure to, to, to honor you, even in our failure to truly worship you, Lord, you are still faithful and merciful. Lord, you are the one true Lord. You are the one true God, Lord. And right now, I just pray, Lord, that as your word is preached, Lord, I pray that your word does not return void, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you use your word right now to rebuke us, to teach us, to encourage us, to, to sharpen us, to mold us, Lord. I pray for that person who, who does not know you, that person who is, is looking for life, looking for joy, looking for peace, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they look no longer, Lord, that they surrender it all to you. I pray, Lord, that you be magnified and exalted right now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Um, I, I want to talk this morning about the search for peace. And my first takeaway this morning um, 
coming from verse 1 and 2 is you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Look again at verse 1. It says, it says, hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel and who came from the waters of Judah, who swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. So keep in mind that God chose and purposed Israel to be a people holy and devoted to him and him alone. That Israel, out of all of the people on the face of the earth, were to be a people, were to be God's treasured people. That God made a covenant with Israel that he would keep them, he will bless them, he will provide for them, he will give them everything they need, but they must worship him and him alone. But as we know, we have heard over the past couple of weeks that instead of worshiping the Lord and submitting um, their lives to him, Israel is guilty of idolatry, worshiping these fake gods. That, that instead of Israel finding their provision, their comfort, and placing their trust in the Lord, they have began to be influenced by the nations around them. See, think about it. God said that I am your shepherd. You shall not want anything. That I am the one who's going to lead you. I'm the one who's going to comfort you. I'm the one who's going to give you everything that you need. All you have to do is look to me. But the nations around Israel began to say to them, hey, I know you um, say you worship the one true God, but if you really want to be good, if you really want to be blessed, you need to worship these gods over here too. They said that if you want your crops to grow, if you want a, um, your food to yield fruit, you need to worship the god Nebo, this, this idol god. They said that if you really want to be protected in this world, you need to worship Baal as well, this idol god. Israel has just become guilty of idol worship. So in now um, verses 1 and 2, God looks at them and says that I know that you swear by me. I know that you proclaim my name. I know that you are telling everybody that you trust in me and rely upon me. You are, but, but you worship me with your mouth, but you do not worship me in truth or righteousness. See, see, you are busy in these religious activities, but you don't live your life right under me. You don't live by my teaching. Yes, you may offer sacrifices to me and come and worship me at my temple, but you are also offering sacrifices to these other guys. You're talking to talk, but you're not walking to walk. Israel wanted to have their cake and eat it too. And yeah, I'm going to be real. I hated that saying growing up. I hated when I was a little boy and my mama would say, you just want to have your cake and eat it too. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It used to make me so mad because I never understood it. Because I always thought to myself, if it's my cake, why can't I eat it? Right? I never got it. Until March 11, 2017, um, on my wedding day, I remember our, our anniversary. It's coming up. Got a plan for that soon. Um, um, and we had our reception. When we walked in, in the reception room, in the middle of the room was our beautiful, fancy three-tier cake. And it had all these decorations on it. And I remember thinking, why do people put all this stuff on the cake? Can you really eat all these decorations and stuff? And it was so beautiful, I didn't want nobody to touch it. I didn't want nobody to even walk past the table to put the cake in danger of getting messed up. But then I quickly thought about that, that I, um, cake um, tasting, that we had red velvet at the bottom um, 
as the first layer. And the second layer was that cream of chocolate. And that third layer was that buttercream. I never had buttercream. I remember thinking, I cannot wait to taste this buttercream. But in order for me to partake in this delicious cake, I had to be willing to lose something. I had to be willing to lose this beautiful decoration of the cake. Thus comes the saying, you can't have the cake and eat it too. And that is exactly what Israel is guilty of doing. They, they wanted the blessings of being distinguished and chosen as God's people. They want God to bless them, but they don't want to submit their lives to live under God's way. They want the privileges and the blessings of God, and God keeps speaking to them in verse 4 and 5. He says, you are, an, you are obstinate, your, your neck is an iron sinew, your forehead is brass, I declared them to you from of old before they came to pass. I announced them to you, lest you should say my idol did them, my carved image and my metal image commanded them. God is looking at his people and saying, you are so stubborn. You are just hard-headed. And you and you're so hard-headed that I actually had to tell you what I was going to do in the future, because if I didn't, you was going to give the credit to your idol gods. God wrote in Hosea, he said, he said that I was the one who blessed you with all of the food. I'm the one who blessed you with silver and gold and fine wine, but you took what I gave you and gave credit to these idol gods. And if you haven't caught on thus far in this sermon, um, what is being said to Israel is being said to the church today. Um, what is being said to Israel is being said to Christians today. See, Israel claimed to trust in God but lived, but lived a life that reflected the opposite. And in the same way, there are people today who proclaim, who profess to be Christians, but live a life that displays the opposite. Yes, you might come to church on Sunday and put money in an offering plate, but does your lifestyle reflect a life that is truly bowed down to the authority of God's will? And God right now is saying, you do not follow my teachings, but you want me to bless you. And even though you are worshiping, and even though we today don't have these carved images like they did that they literally bow down to, we still are guilty of idol worship. So let me help us understand just a little more of what an idol is. Tim Keller defines idols as anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything more important to you than God. An idol is anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. It's anything you seek to give you what only God can. And let me take it a step further. An, an idol is when we receive good gifts from God and we replace this good gift with God himself. An idol is when God says, I want to bless you and give you this good gift, and you take this gift and you say, all right, God, thank you. I don't need you anymore. This is all that I need. And I heard the story of a father. Um, he said that his favorite part of the day was coming home from work because every time when he pulled up in the driveway, his baby girl ran to the door and screamed, daddy's home, daddy's home, daddy's home. And he said this was his favorite time of the day to be greeted by his baby girl with, with all of her emotions and love for him. It just, it, it just made his day. 
And he said one day he wanted to surprise his daughter with a, with, with a little puppy dog, so he brought her home a puppy dog, and she cried, and she was like, Daddy, I, I thank you so much. I love you. And he said he really felt good. And the next day when he came home for work to, from work to his surprise, his daughter wasn't at the door. And he said, man, that's a little strange. And he walked in the house, and the house was quiet. His daughter didn't run out her room to greet him. And he searched around the house for her, and he opened up her door, and there she was in her room playing with her puppy. And she didn't even look up to greet her dad. See, she took this gift and replaced her love towards her father, towards her puppy. And the father, and this father's gift to his daughter wasn't meant for his daughter to forget about him, but the gift was to cause her love to increase for him. And this is the essence of idolatry. We take God-given gifts, and instead of thanking God and living for God, our lives now are centered around these idols. Whether it's that job you was praying and praying for, and as soon as you got it some way, somehow it just eliminated your prayer life and, your, and you no longer depend upon God. Or maybe your idol is that um, relationship, and there's nothing wrong with relationships. Relationships are a beautiful thing, but now you are looking to this person to give you the love and affirmation that only God can. Um, or maybe you're like my um, 10-year-old little brothers who can't go a day, I mean an hour, without playing Fortnite. And if they aren't playing Fortnite, they are watching YouTube videos of other people playing Fortnite. Um, it's the weirdest thing. Like, they would like they watch YouTube videos of people playing the game instead of playing the game themselves. But this innocent game has just become an idol. And God's Word teaches us this morning that you can't have your cake and eat it too. But God keeps speaking to us in verse 9. He says, but for my name's sake, I defer my anger. I turn away my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you that I may not cut you off. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my name's sake, for my own sake, I do it. And this leads us to our second takeaway this morning, which is God allows us to suffer because he is good. Let me say it again because some of y'all might be confused at what I just said. God allows us to suffer because he is, in fact, good. And I, I know that might sound backwards to some of you. Uh, you may be thinking that God being good means that he doesn't let us suffer. I've heard many people say that God cannot be good because of all of the suffering in the world. But I'm here, but I, I think we believe this way because we fail to really understand God's goodness and his mercy. Because we think that God, we think that God being good is him allowing every good, everything good to happen in our life. And we define everything good by everything going exactly how we want it to. All right? And we also don't understand God's mercy, and we think that God being so merciful is him being just this loving and kind person who passively lets us do any and everything that we want because he's just going to continue to forgive us time and time again. That God is so mercy means that, he, that he's just going to forgive me and there are no, 
there are no consequences that, that I have to face. But, but here in verse 9, we, we learn and see God's goodness and mercy by allowing us to suffer. Look at it again with me. Look at what he said. He said, for my namesake, for my namesake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain my anger from you that I may not cut you off. But behold, I have refined you, but not as silver, but I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. See, God says that even though Israel is stubborn and failed to be faithful to God, God is saying, I'm still going to be faithful to you. That I'm going to show you mercy by turning away my wrath. I'm going to show you mercy by not cutting you off. See, mercy is not getting, it's God not giving us what we do deserve. That's God's mercy. But God says, but children, I'm not done with you yet. You are not off of the hook. I'm going to, I'm going to refine you. I'm going to purify you by sending you through the furnace of affliction. I'm going to send you through the fire of affliction, through, through suffering and trials, not because I don't love you. But God says, I'm going to allow you to go through this hard time because I love you too much to leave you the same. See, God is saying, I'm going to, send, I'm going to refine you, to purify you, to, to melt away your idols. I'm going to purify you to melt away your sin. I'm going to refine you so I can reorient your heart to turn your heart back towards me. And isn't it funny how we can go days, weeks without thinking about God, but as soon as a hard time comes, the first thing we do is go to our knees in prayer? Isn't it amazing how it's these hard times that God uses to turn our heart to show us that it's him who we really need. It's him who we really need to trust on. It's him who we really need to rely and depend on and not our own lives, not our own bank accounts, not our own high-paying jobs or whatever it is that you think you need to depend on. It's him. And God saying that me being so good because I love you, I'm not going to allow you to continue to be deceived by the lies of these idols, to continue to run yourself empty, searching for life, searching for joy, searching for peace. I'm going to send you this temporary time of, of suffering and affliction so you, to prepare you to experience the peace that only comes when you find me. And even though suffering may come to a believer's life, and at times we don't understand what it is we are going through, we have to know that it is for our good. How do I know this? Look at Hebrews 12 with me. It says, my child, do not regard lightly the discipline of those, excuse me, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Why? Nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father disciplines his son, not out of hate, not out of anger, but out of love, to help his son grow, to help his son mature, to teach his son how to live a right way, does our heavenly father discipline his children. God allowing suffering is a display of his goodness that purifies you and prepares you to experience his peace. So let us not be discouraged when we're going through a hard time. Let us not, say, uh, begin to doubt or, or, or question God's love or goodness for us, but instead allow us to draw closer, to draw nearer to God, to say, God, help me to get through this. 
teach me and show me what it is that you want me to do. And this leads me to my final takeaway this morning, and that is peace. Somebody say peace. Peace is found by living a life surrendered to the Lord. Peace is found by living a life that is surrendered to the Lord. And aren't we all searching for peace? Um, um, and I believe it's, it's, it's this desire for peace that causes us to live how we want to live. Uh, whether it's you don't feel peace in your workplace, so now you want to apply to a different job thinking that if I can just get here, then I'll have some peace. Or maybe it's, it's peace in your marriage, peace in your household. You're going to hold your tongue just to keep peace and quiet. Amen? Amen. I, I see some of y'all husbands looking like, oh, we, I, I feel you on that one. Um, um, or, or maybe I remember being a kid, and I remember thinking, if I want some peace when mama get home, these dishes better be put up, these clothes better be folded. And she called this morning and told me to take the meat out the freezer. That meat better be out the freezer if I want some peace in the house when mama get home. Amen? Oh, it's just me and my mama? Okay, okay. But see... This search for peace is what's really created many of our idols. And God tells us in verse 12, he says, listen, I am the first and I am the last. In, in verse 13, God says, with my hand, I laid the foundation of the earth, and with my right hand, I spread the heavens. And when I call the heavens and the earth, they both stand up when I'm at my call. And this is a beautiful picture that teaches us so much more about who God is. I mean, think about this for a minute. I mean, think about all of, the, all, all of the beautiful sights of the world, all of the wonders that we, that we travel thousands of miles just to go see and see for, for ourselves. People endure um, life-threatening weather conditions to, to see some of these sights so we can behold what the goodness of, of this world, right? And when we think about space, when we think about the heavens, we are so amazed by the fact that scientists are still discovering new galaxies um, um, today. That mankind has spent over trillions of dollars to explore the space. We, are, we all marvel at God's creation, at the world, at the earth, and the heavens. And God is saying that when I'm the one who laid the foundation of the earth, I am the one who spread the galaxies with my hand. And when I call to them, they stand up. God is saying that when I walk in the room, earth itself and the heavens um, stand up in reverence and honor before me. But instead of worshiping me, you want to worship what I have created because you are so stubborn and hard-headed. But guess what, y'all? For my name's sake, I'm going to save you and redeem you. How do I know? Look again at verse 17. It says, Thus says the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. But oh, that you had paid attention to my commands, then your peace would be like a river. If you paid attention to me, to my ways, then your peace would be like a river. See, God sent his Savior and his Spirit into the world that we know it to redeem us. And some of you might not know who this Savior is, so let me go ahead and tell you his name is Jesus. 
And Jesus says that I'm the one who teaches you to profit. You are searching this world, looking for where to go, and I'm the one who shows you the way that you should go. But oh, if you only paid attention to me, if you only listened to me, if you only trusted in me, if you only kept my commandments, if you only did that, then your peace would be like a river. Peace like a river. And, and when I was thinking about peace like a river, like just, just how soothing and, and smooth that peace has to be, I, I thought about my honeymoon. Uh, me and my honeymoon, I, me and my wife on our honeymoon, <laughs> we was gifted um, to go to an all-inclusive resort. And y'all, I ain't never been to an all-inclusive resort, so I didn't know what an all-inclusive resort was. But yeah, it was the time of my life. I didn't know that once you step foot on this all-inclusive resort, it was like, uh, what's the word, um, Burger King, you can have it your way? Um, is that right? Or is it McDonald's? It's something bad. Um, but you didn't need no money. It was all you can eat, food and drinks. And y'all, me and my wife, we took full advantage of it. We went to the restaurant. We ordered like the entire menu, three appetizers, two steaks, two lobster tails. Then we went back to the room and ordered room service just because we could. And y'all, that next day we went out on the beach and it was like the most beautiful scene I've ever seen. The, the waters was crystal clear. The sun was right there, but it wasn't hot. And I heard just the soothing sounds of the waves. And I remember thinking, wow. Now, this is true peace. But I only thought there was true peace because I wasn't attached to the, burden, to, to the everyday burdens of the world. So is there true peace or just temporary peace? And many, think, many of us think that to have peace means that we don't have problems. That, that true peace means that there isn't any suffering in our lives. But Jesus here teaches us that true peace not lie, does not lie with our circumstance being changed. True peace is not found in the absence of suffering, but true peace is found in a life surrendered to him. Listen again to what he says. He says, I am your redeemer. He says, I'm the one that redeems you. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. I lead you in the way that you should go. If you only pay attention to me, if you only trust in me, then that's where your peace is. And I want you to know that even while God is refining you today, you can have peace by simply trusting in and surrendering to him. I don't care about the problems in your household. I don't care about the problems at, at work. I don't care about the problems in your marriage you think that you will have peace as soon as people stop treating you like this, as soon as, as your wife or your husband get right, as soon as your kids change, as soon as you can just get out of high school, as soon as you can just get here. No, Jesus is saying, stop looking to that and look to me. Today, when you walk out of this room, you can have true peace by looking to our great Redeemer. And when I was seven years old, my, my family, we were in a a, a terrible car wreck. Uh, we was driving to church one Sunday morning on the highway, and me and my sister in the back seat, and we just heard this loud explosion. And the right tire blew, and the axle broke. And immediately, in my left body, my heart jumped. I 
didn't know what was going on. I felt all of, all of this fear. And immediately I remember looking up at the front seat and seeing my dad. And I remember thinking, oh, we good. My dad got this. And no, y'all, and no lie, I felt this sense of peace because my dad got this. And my dad went to pull over, and when he went to pull over, the van just began to flip. The van flipped five times, and as, and as the van was tumbling and tumbling, I had glass and debris flying across my face. My life was literally out of control. My life was literally in danger. But no, no lie, I, I promise you, y'all, even in the midst of my life being out of control, I still felt this deep sense of peace. And I remember thinking, we good. My dad got this. And later, and a couple years ago, I remember talking to my mom about it, and she said, son, it's crazy that even while we was flipping and, 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 and we was out of control, she said, I still felt peace because I knew my man had this. And for me, and for me, even though my life was out of control, I had peace, not because of my circumstance, but because I, who, who had control of my life. And, and now, 21 years later, I am old enough and wise enough to know that it wasn't my earthly father who kept me in perfect peace, but it is my heavenly father who kept me and continues to keep me day by day. No matter how many challenges life has thrown at me, no matter what I have faced, no matter what I will face, I stand here today knowing that I have peace through my Savior, Jesus. And even though I am stubborn and continue to sin against God by choosing these idols over him, Jesus being the great redeemer that he is, looked at God the Father and said, Father God, I see your anger and your wrath um, that's, that's towards Sergi. How about you put that out? their anger, and their wrath on me. And oh my, one Friday morning on a hill called Calvary, Jesus was lifted up on the cross, and his arms were stretched wide, and the wrath of God that was, that, that was due towards him, that was due towards me, was placed on him so that I, so that you and I could experience the peace of God. Now, don't we see who Jesus is? Jesus is our great Redeemer. Jesus is the one who saves us. He is the one who keeps us. He is everything that we need. And I want us to know before I sit down, before I sit down, verse 22, this chapter ends with one sentence. There is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. There is no peace found in the life outside of God. And so many of us, so just like the Israelites, proclaim the name of the Lord, proclaim to be Christians, but are still, are still searching for life outside of God's way and outside of God's will. Let's run and search no more. And before I sit down, I have to ask you the question, have you truly surrendered your all in all to the Lord? Have you truly said, Jesus, my life is yours to you, I belong. Jesus, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being empty. I'm tired of, 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 of feeling so alone. I'm just tired. Jesus, I, I give you my life. Have you done it? And if you haven't, today is the day for your salvation. 
See, true peace, the search for peace is over when we first surrender to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that even though we fail to love you with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and we run to idols, no matter what it may be, Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for showing your goodness by purifying us, by refining us. Even though it, it does not feel good, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you give us the strength that we need to endure. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you create in us clean hearts, hearts that love you, hearts that worship you, hearts that are fully devoted to you. Lord, have your way in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, in our community, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for being our great redeemer. Lord, I, Lord, I thank you for saving my life. Lord, I, I thank you for changing me. Lord, Lord, I thank you for that true peace, Lord. Lord, I pray for that person who, who heart is dry right now, who, who heart is empty right now. Lord, I pray for that person. Lord, I pray, Jesus, Lord, that you reveal yourself to them, that they can find true life in you, that they can find the, the, the reward of knowing you today. God, you are good, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.